Okay, let me figure out how to do an intro. <laughs> Hello and I welcome. I just wing it every time. Shut the fuck up! <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Diving Into Why podcast with me, Joe Brennan, and and you, Tom, the me. listener. No, no, oh, you're not you. Not me yet. The listener is you, and and me. I was going to say it doesn't feel very long since we last did it, and that's because we are doing this a week early. Well, to be fair, with the last one, it felt like it was two months it's because we did an extra week then it was a five-week gap and uh, now this is a, just a three-week gap with recording although it uh, would have actually been four weeks by the time it's done so actually tonight is just after the finale of doctor who flux yep that's our main topic again because there's not much else in the last three weeks so uh, we're going to be talking about flux we're going to be talking a little bit about hawkeye obviously not the most recent episode from when this goes out because we haven't seen that yet yeah we've only seen three episodes yeah. we're going to talk i'm going to talk a little bit about the new Ghostbusters, which I've seen, probably some other things along the way, but there are time codes in the description for what we eventually speak about. Oh, you actually put those in? I do. It's good. I don't know who uses them. I'm amazed. I know at least two people had us on their uh, Spotify wrapped, so that's pretty good. Well, one of them is like our actual friend, though. <laughs> and one of them isn't. Okay, let's talk about Doctor Who. <laughs> mm. Sorry, the episode's just aired, and it is just replaying in my head as just this cacophony of of noise and nonsense and yeah i don't quite know what it was did you know going into it that that was going to be the finale yes i did did you i had no idea what you thought i thought there was going to be like another episode after that you thought we were like halfway through the series yeah i genuinely did i didn't know i didn't know how many episodes there was going to be oh or anything like that (laughs) so like when they left off last episode and then because they set it up like they had the grand serpent going around now and you had um swarm and that and like there was so much going on and hardly any conclusion like that could feasibly be in sight and then halfway through the episode and I was like there's a lot of cuts here that are very fast and they don't give you time to process what's actually going on is this the last episode and they got to the end of the episode oh it actually is (laughs) I think the last time we spoke about flux it was after the third episode yes Uh, there have been another three episodes since Uh, how did you feel about uh, the weeping angel one I thought that was really fun whenever they have a Weeping Angel Central episode where they either make it really goofy and weird or it's really quite good. Uh, So when Angel's in Manhattan, goofy and weird. In a good way, I think. Sad ending, bittersweet. Yeah, yeah, bittersweet ending. I mean, the the whole um, Statue of Liberty thing was a little bit... How was no one looking at that? I don't know. It's it's a bit of... It's a boring landmark. There were no tourists in town. They don't even clean it. That's why it's green. But anyway, yeah, so I thought it was a pretty solid episode. I really, really like, especially after this last episode, I love the, um, what's his name? He's got a really cool name. Eustatius. Eustatius, um, yeah. Professor. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) That guy. He's good. He's good. He is really cool. Uh, um, and then the uh, the woman as well who has the weeping angel inside of her that was really cool Claire yeah Claire's great and they uh, finally bringing back the rules that Moffat introduced in the second Angels episode because was it Big Bang where um, Matt Smith has like a beard and stuff and he's with Winston Churchill oh no that's uh, Wedding of River Song. Oh yeah, so in that one, there's like um, when they go to Area Fifty One, there's a drawing of a weeping angel in the background for no reason like they went out of their way to do that just one season after they made the rule of 
whatever holds the image of an angel is an angel and i was like why what is the point why did they bother doing that even just they could have drawn anything else and it would have been fine it is really funny but that's a kind of i feel like that was really meant to be just a kind of one and done rule thing and chibnall clearly just tuned in and and watched that one episode and thought yeah that's the whole point of the weeping angels i guess yeah Um, more so than the movement thing i think because the movement rules seem a bit inconsistent but the holds an image of an angel rules they that's that's what he's latched in on yeah well because he liked the um ripped up pieces of paper pulling itself back together and then projecting an image uh like a that tv was... screen like a projector that was uh, that was great i think putting them putting them on the the old television uh in black and white that was, was cool. really cool because it's like they it turns them into a, a classic doctor who villain um which mm. they never were but it's like imagine the weeping angels in the 60s yeah. that's what they would look like and i think i overall struggled with the episode because what i'd enjoyed about flux so far was just the kind of goofy you know nonsense of the whole thing and then yeah. suddenly the fourth episode was taking itself a bit more seriously and yeah. going for more atmospheric, more more kind of, it wasn't trying to be fun. And I think all the yeah. nonsense was still there. All the rubbish was still there, but it, it mm. just lacked the fun that had made me forgive the nonsense in the past. Because <laughs> there was also a different, they paced it differently. It was a much more slower episode than, because every other episode has been all over the place constantly. But that one was very concise in what the story that it wanted to tell more than anything it felt like a script that had been written one way and then adapted to be a flux story yeah so there was other, you know there was that little girl who ended up being the old woman oh yeah yeah that was like that seemed like it was going to be a major plot point and then it was just dropped for yeah. the sake of the division and the angels working for the division yeah. and it, it really does feel like there was this story written by um uh, maybe Chibnall, maybe uh, Maxine Alderton. That's the bizarre thing. Flux is six episodes, all of them written by Chibnall, but episode four was co-written, oh. which I think means it was a script written by someone else and then Chibnall came in. Repurposed for Flux. Okay, I'm going to change the beginning, I'm going to change the ending, and we're going to sprinkle some division in there, <laughs> which I think hurts it a bit, but also it does make it stand out as a, as a unique episode within Flux. Yeah, I think the angels aren't very good in it. I think they're directed in a way that's really flat, in a way that they haven't been before. Yeah, well, it's like when you take away the whole autonomy of the angels, uh, their own their own natural force kind of thing, and then like, oh no, they're actually um, just grunts for the division. And they sort of yeah. lose uh, what they're all about because like there's a massive point in there where they just choose to not move and not do anything yeah just because but it was a weird kind of double-edged sword because they also on the other side of that had the most autonomous uh weeping angel that we've ever seen oh yeah the, the actual character one that's possessing claire and then they kind of made that one a little bit boring again yeah it's like sidelined because of uh because of the ending that they chose so i think there's probably a good story in there yeah but i don't know that we got it <laughs> um nah and i think it might be of the without spoiling what I think about the future ones, but I think it might be the one I enjoyed the least, probably because it was the most competent in a certain way, but it just didn't have the fun of the stupidity of the others. Yeah. Um, and then almost answering my prayers right afterwards, we had probably the stupidest and funnest episode right after with Survivors of the Flux, which was just absurd. 
to be honest, I thought that was as ridiculous as it could get. And then I saw the finale tonight. But last <laughs> week's episode was, you know, you had the doctor on the division thing outside of the universe. She'd been turned into a weeping yeah. angel. You had oh, just so many different strands, almost more strands than the finale because everyone was split up. Yeah. So you've still got Vinda and then he's ending up with, with Dai. And then you've got, yeah, Swarm and the Grand Serpent and Unit and all these things going on that it's all stupid, it's all rubbish, but I, yeah. I, I did enjoy it quite a bit. It was a lot of fun. There was probably the most fun episode for me. It was only, there was only like one thing that I thought was really weird and that was the Doctor's Tory comment about displaced persons i've i've actually written the quote down here have you it starts in a way that you think chibnall is going to do some commentary so he she says this if the flux is destroying the universe if planets and stars are being wiped out there will be displaced creatures who need a home all right that's a good place to start (laughs) that's good that is strong that is a premise to a doctor who story right Mm. that is how can we help the displaced creatures all right and then it continues somewhere to take over, but that would mean a time of battle for ownership of the earth. So <laughs> it starts one way and it ends with the sentiment of we need to stop them. It very oh. abruptly takes a handbrake right turn. It's so weird. And I know people have said, oh, you know, she means the Santara and she means the Cybermen. It's like, then why did she say that stuff at the start? Like, Yeah, but it, it's not just them no. in the universe. Is it? It's like Vinda as well and like all of those characters are all also victims of the flux. So it's weird that they would also single it out and be like, oh no, she's just talking about the baddies. Then why is she generalizing about it? The thing is, I don't think this is Chibnall being like, I'm going to put in some anti-immigration sentiment into my (laughs) Doctor Who. But I think what's happened is he's not thinking about any uh, messaging. He's not thinking about any uh, kind of themes or power. If he was actively constructing a message then yeah. there wouldn't be slips like this. But because there's nothing, then, you know, he's not actively not doing it, so it's happening. Yeah. And I think that is really careless. And along the process of writing, you know, filming, rehearsing, you know, editing, to think, yeah. hang on a second, does that first bit not sound a bit... Does that sound a little weird? Does that not sound a bit, you know, Nigel Farage? We got a little bit of stuff with uh, Tech Taeyun made an appearance, mm-hmm. which... Uh, that's bizarre. Um, when she says, I'm Tech Taeyun, as if to anyone in the audience, really, that means anything. <laughs> no, I had no fucking clue what she was talking about. You don't remember Timeless Child? You don't uh, remember Tech Taeyun? I've expunged that from my memory. Uh, and I think you should too. It's funny because I think when people were expecting a bit of a, a course correction or backtracking, uh, what we got no, instead was double down. Like, Return of the Jedi, you know, when Luke goes to Yoda, he's like, is, is Vader my father? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yoda's like, yeah, it. yeah, he is. Because, <laughs> like, people didn't believe it. Yeah. And this has happened here. He's like, she's like, so what the master told me was, uh, that was true, was it? Yeah, that twist. And Tosayon's like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Af- afraid so. <laughs> but I, to be honest, that whole division stuff, like I said in the last episode, 
I don't hate it. I don't mind that it's giving the doctor something to do yeah. that's personal, you know, because it's not really going into her past and it's not really about Gallifrey anymore. Yeah. It's just about the doctor wanting to find things out. Yeah. I think Jodie's been really good in the last three episodes. A hundred percent. Her interactions with uh, Tuck Taeyun, did you say her name was? <laughs> Tech Taeyun. Oh, Jesus yeah. Christ. Anyway, yeah. So their interactions was probably the highlight of uh, Survivors of the Flux for me. I think she was especially good in this finale episode. She had a lot to do. Yeah. And I think the interrogation with the Grand Serpent when, you know, they were interrogating each other, really. Oh, yeah. um, I thought she was really strong in that. that was and it's a, I think it's a big shame that, like, she's just kind of on her way out, but she's doing really good doctor like, stuff that yeah, we've not she's seen yet. really, really getting traction now, right to the end. So tonight's episode, um, this is, what's it called? The Vanquishers. Yeah. Um, what was going on? <laughs> Oh, I, oh God, I don't even know, honestly. Did you um, like it? I, I like's a strong word. Okay. Um, I, <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. It was, um, it wasn't, um, I mean, I wasn't bored, I guess, because yeah. just everything was happening all the time, constantly. It was insane. It was, yeah. I, I think I liked it. I, I think I was on board. I think I was having it. fun. It was so weird though. Like you like you said, the the the, the editing, the quick erratic editing mm. tonight that was convincing you that it was the finale. To me, it felt like it was like initially 90 minutes long. Yeah. And they were like, oh God, how can we cut out half an hour? Yeah. Okay, let's just get rid of all the shots that tie moments together. So it's like a character will go from standing up to sitting down immediately and you won't see them like taking the two seconds to sit down. Yeah, so the thing that I was specifically thinking about was when uh, Vinda and um, Dan's... Die. Die, yeah. They, when they're in the passenger and they've got all of like the wires and shit uncovered and then he shoots them and they're like, okay, they set up the, the, hu- the huge plan. We need to sprint as fast as we can because it's not going to be there for long. And, it, and then they're just they, there. He <laughs> takes a shot and it cuts and they're at the top of the stairs and they disappear. It's like that the whole episode in such a way that when there are multiple doctors, I was yeah. not sure always whether there were multiple doctors because it would cut around yeah. and she'd be in different positions. And that would sometimes happen with one and it would sometimes happen with two. And there was one bit where they were having an interaction and I was like, oh, the other one's there. Okay. <laughs> uh, so it, because when the, when it first happens and she's in like the tunnel with everyone else and then they're having like the interactions with Yaz and like they're, they're saying that they've been years without seeing each other. And then she sort of like fades and then it cuts to back to the division or wherever it is that she goes. So it's as if, oh, she is phasing from place to place and she's displaced like that. And suddenly, but no, they've literally just one another one runs in the room and says, like, oh, there's 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 three of them. Okay. I'm so glad you said that because I was thinking, like word for word, I've written down here, thought she was phasing actually three of them. Um, yes. Because <laughs> um, it, it, it feels linear. It feels like she's going from one place to another. And yeah, we see exactly. her disappearing and, and arriving somewhere else. And, but, but... I don't understand what was happening. Like, it's like, no. I mean, I was, I liked when there were multiple doctors. I thought that was a fun way of keeping the kind of, there was always a doctor on a team. Yeah. But also, like, at the start, that is absolutely not what was happening. No, because it feels like it was originally going to be, um, she is phasing, but then they, 
decided they oh no we could actually have three doctors in this episode so we're gonna have it be a transition to the next scene which is her talking to swarm or whoever i think it's so funny and obviously it doesn't matter i'm not being like you know cinema sins um in the start it really seemed like she was funny because i don't care it's just funny actually there's a coca-cola in the background so that's a ding what else was going on there's i mean kate stewart you briefly mentioned she was in uh survivors of the flux she was in um tonight's episode um what why was she there (laughs) it's really weird right I feel like she was only there to tie together um, whatever the hell Grand Serpent was doing in the last episode. What was he doing? Dude, I don't... <laughs> like That, that I have, didn't amount to anything. Because he he was in... What was he in? He was in, like, episode two or something. Uh, he was in three, and he, he was the reason you, uh, Vinda got uh, exiled. Yeah, so they... So he didn't need to come back. He was just the explanation for who Vinda is and his story and what's going on with him. And now he was, like, founding unit and, yeah. and working with the Sontarans and... He was part of that like dark energy thing, but it was like he doesn't. I, I think there is a version of Flux that works a lot better where Azure, Swarm, and the Grand Serpent are all one character. Yeah, because I, I did think that. Oh, is the Grand Serpent working with Swarm in that? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, they have different different goals, but very similar kind of. It's it is bizarre, and I think Swarm started off so strong and then got diluted by everything else that was going on. Yeah, not least of which his sister, who was there in every scene with him and kind of had to have half his lines. And yeah, she's she's nowhere near as good. And like I think as half of they're like half of a villain, right? Each of them. It's and weird. Then yeah, that becomes another half with the Grand Serpent, and yeah, there is no reason I think why Swarm. I mean, I, I can think of one reason why Swarm couldn't infiltrate Unit, but you know, <laughs> he can wear a mask. Uh, he can wear a hat. <laughs> um, no, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah, it, I feel like that is the one thing where, like, on top of all the fun and the the stupid fun, I think that would make it more stupid fun. They could just be like, oh, he's wearing a uh, perception filter perception or whatever filter. that makes him yeah. look like he's a human or And whatever. the doctor could be like, I'm now going to make them shoot you because of the colour of your skin. Um, <laughs> yeah. She loves to do. She loves um, to do that. She's like, once they know you're purple. <laughs> I hate that this doctor has just become this kind of xenophobic. She kind uh, of is. At the end of this episode with the Cybermen, the Daleks and the Sontarans, I saw a tweet earlier that was like Tom Baker go, do I I have the right and then Jodie Whittaker goes yeah what the fuck not do that just kill all of them oh yeah she's just like yeah we're gonna make them all die (laughs) so many genocides on (laughs) Jodie being uh xenophobic there's a bit in Survivors of the Flux where Uh, the um, the doctor her version of the doctor not Jodie herself oh yes yeah I'm you're you're right yes (laughs) probably (laughs) specify I struggled to separate the two um but in Survivors of the Flux, Belle goes to like uh, goes to Carvanista. She's like, "Oh, you pulled me out of hyperspace for this? Uh, some race you are." And she just <laughs> like generalizes the entire Lupari. <laughs> and are you familiar with the theory about uh, Belle and Vinda's child? Oh, was it like they are the Doctor's parents or some shit? Yes, that was the idea. Oh, okay, and um, I pointed out that with with Belle being being racist to the Lupari, uh, I was like, well, she's clearly the Doctor's mother. Um, <laughs> that was a theory about Belle and Vinda, because it was like, why would they be drawing so much attention to their child? Yeah. Why would she be flying that? Why are they there? Okay, for starters. Yeah. Um, uh, 
And but why would they draw attention to this? Belle's there flying the ship. She's having so much fun. It's like flying the TARDIS. Yeah. Um, yes, uh, yeah. Davis, who is a uh, a YouTuber, a Doctor Who YouTuber. I'm, I'm sure you've heard of him. Um, no he, way. Me and him made a bet for <laughs> thirty pounds. Uh, he was betting that they were the Doctor's parents, and oh. uh, I was betting that they were not. And you smart man. I think, <laughs> I think <laughs> I've won. They, they, they might well come back in the the three specials we have left. <laughs> I hope um, they do. It's a bizarre situation, actually, like that we are left in because I'm thinking about going forward. Are these characters going to come back? What is going to return? Yeah, because you remember people were like, "Oh, do you think that there was like those of um, fan theories that oh, the Grand Serpent might be the Master <laughs> in disguise, but like they put him on a rock and it cuts instantly. You don't even see a reaction shot of him." <laughs> It's, he just walks in. It's and another it one of those really quick kind of. I'm the I'm the the expert in exile, and it's like boom, and you're there. We don't even see Vinda put yeah, in there. It's yeah. so it's such a funny episode. In that, I feel like it. It probably like could have been two episodes. I've seen some people like if you think it's overcomplicated, you're not paying enough attention. It's like no, I think it is overcomplicated. Just because you can follow along does not mean it's not overcomplicated. Well, yeah, I can follow along, and it is overcomplicated, yeah. and also edited bizarrely and uh, the thing that a lot of people are now pointing out is is the entire universe still destroyed i was gonna ask you that they don't seem upset about it not really <laughs> everyone seems fine and um okay the the flux hadn't finished so not all of the universe had been destroyed but like most of it's gone yeah most of it it's like earth is fine and there's like pockets of life on different planets yeah because there's like earth's in the middle and it's just so earth literally is the center of the universe so like everything around that you've got a little bit of space and then you've just got nothing so and then you've like all of the daleks are supposed to be dead all of the cybermen are supposed to be dead all of the centaurs are supposed to be dead but now there's like daleks in the next episode oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) Yeah. i had not i knew that there were daleks in the next episode and i knew that the daleks had been wiped out and i had not bridged that gap of like Oh, actually, yeah. that isn't possible. Their gun is slightly different, so you didn't recognise them. It's the whole red arm thing again. I, I would have thought that they would just have Jodie be like, oh, I've pressed the make the universe not destroyed again button on the TARDIS. Because <laughs> yeah. that's all yeah. she really needs. It's it's all nonsense. She can do that and it's fine. <laughs> yeah, but she she didn't say that. No. And I don't know where we're at with it. I, I mean, it won't take long to undo if that's still the case. But like, yeah. Dan is joining the TARDIS team after Di rejects him. And it's like, it, it, what are you exploring? <laughs> is there anything? Someone else asked, like, why was the TARDIS leaking goo at the start? Like, what was that? Oh, yeah. And no, it's uh, just gone. <laughs> there are some strange things going on. I mean, like, Belle, Vinda, and Carvanista are like traveling together as a, a trio. Yeah. And they're going to be a, a, a fourth member when she gives birth to the timeless child. And Carvanista having just. Just had his entire species eradicated by the uh, Sontarans is now going to be become a pet. Another genocide. Yeah. God, there's so much going on, and there's you know as it was going on, I was forgetting previous scenes because it was just nonsense. And <laughs> I mean, it ended. Kate was like, uh, "I hope I see this regeneration soon." Which, <laughs> We've got three episodes to do that. It would be really funny <laughs> if she just didn't. Like Chibnall wrote I, it, yeah. knowing that. <laughs> that they would never meet again. Again, I I think I liked this episode. I like moments of it. I think I was really disappointed last week when there was all this buildup of what's what's coming through. What's all this? Who's the baddies? Oh, it's it's the Sontarans again. We saw yeah. them like three episodes ago. Um, but I thought they were pretty good today. I thought they were um, 
not to be like, oh, they're finally a threat again. You know, they they yeah. shot a few people and they're finally evil. But I think they were actually quite formidable and funny. And I liked their plan. I thought that was a good... Very good idea, yeah. I don't want to sound like I'm um, tooting my own horn or anything, but I figured out the plan like five hours before the Doctor did. And I was watching it. I was going, well, how aren't you connecting these dots? How don't, how don't you get it? It's not a, it's not a complex plan. It's like, why would he want to know the last place? Why would he want to know the last place that was going to be destroyed and gather together all his and enemies? You, why would you? Why would you want to do that? This is so weird. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, she was, she had a lot on her mind. Although she also had three times the brain power. So, she had three minds. Um, I was also confused. Like, Swarm and Azure, like they get just killed for no um yeah like, all right you've had your your time in the episode okay. um time kills them I, I think an embodiment of time jody's like i always wondered what time would look like it's like do you not see time in the vortex is that not what time is e- like it's oh, um, weird doctor who now it is it sounds like what uh like comedy tv shows that make fun of nerds right Shows like that yeah. to be. So you'll have the nerd character be like, oh, the, the flux has actually taken over the entire universe. And but the, yeah. the Lupari shield. And, and it's like We're we're watching the version of Doctor Who that Sheldon Cooper watches in the Big Bang Theory. Yeah, we have become Sheldon Cooper as thanks oh, to God. Uh, and like the next episode. Oh wait, hang on. No, hang on, hang on, hang on. I had to go back a little bit. You know when we were getting um oh god, what's her name? Um Bell. Bell, yeah. When she's like being a refugee and running around planets and stuff, w- w- wasn't time like going around destroying shit at that point? I think the the flux was. No, but there was a uh, like those purple uh, things that time is on at the end of this episode, and then they like kill it kills some people who are like running across a forest, and then it like flies away. Oh yeah, what was going on there? And it's meant to be like imprisoned on planet i forget what is going on yes it, they were killing but it wasn't like swarm and it wasn't the flux no it was definitely the the purple flakes that time is at the end of this episode oh but i don't think they were they thought i think they thought oh yeah we'll make it like a prisoner thing at the end of this episode but then they forgot that they had already written it as something else in the previous episode that all sounds very interesting and i don't think chris jimnall has given it a moment's thought since writing it um, <laughs> so the next episode is is called eve of the daleks will it air on uh, christmas eve new year's eve new year's day oh why did they do that i think they lost the slot it's it's funny because the company that they seem to be working for in the trailer is like called Elf Security or something, and it's like, oh, did you call it that because uh, <laughs> did you call it that because you wanted Christmas, the Christmas special, Christmas but episode. they didn't give it to you? Yeah. It's like on the off chance. Look, guys, I I did make it a bit Christmassy. If you, if you <laughs> still want to give me the slot, like, <laughs> no. But it's a it's a time loop episode, and that's yeah. so cool. I have been calling out for a time loop episode annoyingly, and you know, as a joke for a very long time. Yeah. Um. I think it was back in September 2020 that I posted in TARDIS posting. How many times? Like 10, 15 times it was, I posted? It was basically an entire month. Every single day I looked at my phone and there was a notification there that said, Joe Brennan has posted Doctor Who TARDIS posting. I click on it and it is the same post every single day. And every day it still shocks me that it is not a different post. <laughs> I was doing a Groundhog Day joke saying that they should make 
a time loop episode of Doctor Who. Yeah. And, you know, I was doing it every day and I was, you know, that was the joke. But also behind that joke was the desire to actually see a time loop episode of Doctor Who, because I think it is a really cool concept and I'm surprised it's not been done before. Yeah, um, but except for 10%. Yeah, but it's not, that's not quite the same thing. That's not it's really... slightly different. The Doctor's not waking up in the loop. He is making the loop um, by yeah, yeah. dying. But I think what's funny is that after Flux, I'm like, that was a mess but i had fun with it mm. i'm not really expecting anything good from chibnall and then i see that trailer i'm like oh this is gonna be good this is gonna be quality oh, yeah it's such a good idea how do you feel about flux overall i mean there's a lot of highs and lows with flux i think overall i'm positive about it yeah. because it's not i mean it's not the timeless child again no so there's that exactly um they reference it a little bit but it's not huge like they even there's a bit at the end of this episode where uh, like the entire episode they're going like will they won't they kind of uh delve into that a little bit yeah will they uh dive into why but they um and then she just chucks it in a bin at the end yeah i like that because it's like that's that kind of constant oh will, will she do it and i, exactly, I don't think she yeah. ever will but, nah. um they, they also did it again after she tossed it in and she was like unless i really need it <laughs> i thought that was good it. i thought that was actually good the whole thing i think is like kind of if, if chris jimmel had started with this level of nonsense and not the boring plain nonsense yeah. that he'd been doing before i would have been on board if series 11 was on this stupid kind of self-aware mm. you know the focus is definitely more on story than on law with the timeless child stuff as well yeah. it's not hello let me explain the history of gallifrey to you for a whole episode mm. it's that what is what does this quest for knowledge do to the doctor as a person yeah and uh, that's that's good like every aspect of chibnall who that i have taken issue with this kind of fixes it's still not good <laughs> but it's fun <laughs> And I think I like it. Yeah. It's probably going to be easy to binge. Um, yeah, definitely. Nice six episodes, just six parts. Uh, not too, you know, not, it's all quite superficial as well. So you can just kind of switch off and, yeah. and you know, watch it while on your phone, really. Pretty much, <laughs> Let it yeah. wash over you. Oh, I've forgotten something. They tease the master, don't they? In a way that really shouldn't tease the master. Oh, yeah. Time goes like... Beware, Doctor, the forces that mass against yeah. you and their master. I love that then it then cuts to Jody, uh, the Doctor Jody, uh, and then she goes, The master? What do you, <laughs> what do you mean, mean, the master? master? <laughs> you mean the master, the one master that, that the I know. The only person ever referred to as the master in Doctor Who. Or... There's an episode of Classic Who called The Mind Robber, and all the characters are like, We work for the master, and it's before the master existed. And the yeah. doctor, who supposedly already knows the master, childhood oh, friends no, with the childhood master. Childhood friend is just like, Oh, I don't know who this master is. No, no. <laughs> because why would you think that it's the same? It, it's a word yeah. that exists. Um, but, you know, this. Obviously, it's it, it's teasing a return of the master. Yeah. Do you think we'll see Joe Martin again before this era is done? Because I'm not sure. I mean, I don't think so. I want to, but I don't think so. Yeah. They they released like a behind the scenes thing for her return in episode three. Like, yeah. uh, oh, will we see her again? Oh, that's not for me to say. And it's like, 
why would you tease this if it's not happening? But also, it was really weird because we spoke last time about how she's green screened in, and she very well could have never seen another member of the cast. But there is a picture of her. Picture with, of her. Um, there is set footage actually on the on set. We um we came so. away from recording the the last episode, and you know we'd done this whole thing about how she'd been green screened in. Then I I open Twitter uh, once we're done, and I see not just pictures of her on set with the other actors but <laughs> footage of her on set and it's like well, uh. <laughs> what is this? All right, so Carvanista was her companion, which I love although he's not allowed to talk about it or it will explode his brain um, That's which, funny that is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> It's such like a how else could you explain it so like that he doesn't want to talk about it so he, his head will literally blow up if he does. They blow you up <laughs> Boom! <laughs> um I really like it. It's like there's one final member of the Lupari species, and uh, if he talks too much about Doctor Who, he dies. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's uh, God. I, I really like Carvanista. I like the supporting characters. I was thinking that today yeah. when it was like the TARDIS, and it had like Carvanista, Bell, uh, Vinda, Die, uh, the, the the Professor. Maybe he wasn't in the TARDIS by that point. He might have died. But um, uh, Claire. But I, I like all of them. And they're all cool. I think. As far as Chibnall era side characters go, they are all of them the best. Like I can't think of any kind of one-off. Maybe like the celebrity guest star, yeah. uh, historical figures have made some impact. But as far as like completely original characters, although the Mole Man, he existed in the real world. Yeah, uh, the the Tunnel Fella, and. <laughs> I think he's been really fun. He has been really fun. There was all this speculation of like, will he ever be explained or was his episode cut? Um, Because Mm. he kept showing up every episode like, what is going on? And then he goes through a door and disappears. And he would just disappear. Who the fuck is this guy? Turns out it's like incredibly prominent in the last two episodes, which um, I'm glad. They could have also not done that at all never explained it i would have also liked that just as much i mean it's not far off other things that have happened in, in the episode <laughs> I mean, yeah i mean well yeah because they still didn't they didn't explain anything about the grand serpent didn't they they were just like oh vinder was like his butler or something i've said that like vinder and bell had no real reason to be there you know people were just the theorizing for the baby stuff as just yeah. a reason for them to exist and yeah. I say that, and I, I do kind of agree, but at the same time, I really like them, and I was always excited when it cut to them and whatever they were doing. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I love these. I want them to reunite. You know, I love. <laughs> I love two characters reuniting. <laughs> but yeah, I I don't think it's the last we'll see of Carvanista. I I just I feel like he's a, a great side character now. I feel like it would really be a shame to just let him go after that especially when they've built it up so that he has a, a really deep and intimate past with the doctor mm. and like could be a really interesting thing to explore in the future if chibnall was staying on for another five years if we knew that that was kind of <laughs> in the bag like i feel like a spin-off with those three <laughs> would be a very real oh, possibility definitely. and it would be, would be people idea. would be speculating it but like i doubt he's gonna set that up and then give the nah. show and the Hooniverse to RTD. Yeah. I would like to do a full Chibnall era like retrospective once it's done. Yeah. Um, I, we, we can talk about that on the podcast after the final special. And I, I'll probably do a video about it. I don't quite know what form the video will take. I think it will probably involve me having to watch the entire <laughs> era again. <laughs> I'm probably going to go insane. And, you know, that's going to be my final year of uni, I think. So, oh, good. Um, 
perfect timing for us. Uh, well, yeah, because it's it's November or something that we get the last. I'll be working on my dissertation and my uh, your magnum <laughs> opus of the Chibnawera. Maybe I'll make it six hours long, like that mm. five-hour video, but better. That'd be a good idea. How about we move on to a different topic that isn't Doctor Who before our brains explode like Carvanista? Yeah, the perfect metaphor. It's very for, real. Uh, how this episode made me feel. We're all Carvanista, <laughs> aren't we? All Carvanista in a way. <laughs> Right, Hawkeye. Yes, that's all going. Uh, do you like it? I quite. I think it's quite fun, actually. Yeah, me too. It's um really cool, fun. So far, it's not huge stakes. No, which is really nice. I don't think there needs to be, and I don't think there will be. I, I doubt it will escalate far. We have not seen what will be the most recent episode by the time this goes out. But yeah, we've um, just seen the first three. I think the most it will escalate is Kingpin. Kingpin, yeah. I think that's a pretty nice escalation. I guess, yeah, we won't speculate about what that will be. But of what we've got, I what I feel about it, I've recommended to one of my friends who's not started it yet yeah. to, to save it and binge it once it's done. Because yeah. every time it ends, I'm like, oh, I, I wanted to watch more. <laughs> no, and I, yeah. I don't think it really lends itself to the to the weekly format. Yeah, it kind of really feels like it should just be a, like a binge thing that you do all in once. Yeah, Wonder Vision made sense to be broken up, I think. Yeah, and maybe Falcon and the Winter Soldier, maybe a bit, because there were some cliffhangers there that, like John Walker, you know, when him he killed the uh the oh, yeah, smasher yeah. that was kind of a haunting thing to leave us with for a week yeah but with this it's just like that one scene ends and it's not really a logical end point to the story yeah. it feels really serialized it's also weird that we got the the first two episodes instantly then we got the third episode and we're already halfway done i think it might be to stop it clashing with book of boba fett maybe um, uh, because maybe. that's that's coming up relatively soon. Maybe maybe it's not. Maybe my math is off. But I think it it stops them that ending just as Boba's starting, which yeah. you know makes sense. I was actually in the process of making a big Hawkeye video, yes. which I might have told you about, and it was taking longer and longer to make. Yeah. And I thought, why not wait and see how I feel about Clint Barton once the show is over, yeah. rather than release the video and have it be immediately dated by the most Hawkeye we've ever had. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, I'm glad I have. Uh, I don't think I've really changed my Clint opinions because he's good, isn't he? He's he's fun. He's good. He's like, he's the, he's the most like just normal guy out of all of the Avengers. And I think Jeremy Renner does that really well. I think he's yeah. <laughs> of the Avengers like cast. He's He feels like a normal guy. He feels like yeah. he looks, he doesn't look like a, a supermodel. <laughs> He, he just looks like a dude. Yeah. Like he's he's handsome in his, his own Jeremy Renner way. Clint's characterization has been consistent, but also more fleshed out as just like he's tired yeah. and he just wants to spend time with his family. And I'm really interested to see kind of where his relationship with Kate goes. Yeah. Because I know there will be a kind of passing of the torch or, or you know, passing of the bow and arrow. Ah, yes. But or will there just be two Hawkeyes for a while? <laughs> yeah, well, because she needs, she clearly needs um, like training from him because there's some points where like she's a little bit out of her depth. Yeah, um, and then he comes in and just beats the shit out of people, and she's like, "Oh, I could have done that," because <laughs> she's got talent with the bow and everything, and she's uh, in the first episode with the bell tower proved that she was amazing with that. Yeah, uh, and she's pretty much like on par with Clint. Uh, if you wanted to go that way. But talent without training is meaningless. Oh, as Luke Skywalker once said. Shut up. No. 
that's not real. He never said that. I forgot he was in Mandalorian, and I forgot about Mandalorian, and I was really happy. <laughs> have I ruined I your life? Depressed. You, you have. Of CGI Luke. You actually have. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It. It's so bad. So, Kate, I'm I'm enjoying her. There was, I, I mean, I, I to bring up Star Wars because that's what we always do. But there were some comparisons to Ray in that, like, oh, you know, this is awful. She's already a, a successful archer. She's already good. It's like, yeah, but like, she's. She's rubbish as well. Like she's overconfident yeah. and she's in over her head and she needs, you know, personal growth. People think that like character progression is the exact same as like video game progression. Yeah. And it's like you level up and the way to show that you've grown as a character is that you can do more skills. Yeah. You get cooler, bigger moves. Yeah. And it's like, no, she can do the moves, but she needs to, you know, she needs to learn how to do that and live her life and not be completely overconfident, uh, confident, overcompetent, um, <laughs> both. But, uh, you know, there is more to that than just, or well, how can she develop if she's already good at archery by the first episode? It's like, it, it's the Ray thing all over again. Oh, yeah. The the, the Pym arrow was really good. I thought that was so fun. I love that. The, the big explosion arrow, that felt bizarre to use. It's like, oh, it's a happy Christmas time. Clint is like knocking people out with his arrows. He's pinning them to the wall. And he's just doing the massive explode uh, explode the car one that kills like 20 henchmen in a van. It's like... Well, I don't think that was the intention. I, I, I feel like they don't need to be killing people. No. They don't need to be. The, the threat is so small. These are goofy you know, the, the tracksuit mafia. Tracksuit mafia. Yeah, you yeah. don't have to be like, and they're not murdering them for the most part, but sometimes they just do. And it's like, oh, that's strange. Hmm. Um, I think Echo's really cool. She is cool. Absolutely. I, I really liked her, her backstory and the kind of development that she got. And I'm excited to see her dynamic with Kingpin. If she has one, if Kingpin's in it, that would be a really bizarre <laughs> twist. That would be funny. Like, the guy in the black suit who touches her cheek never appears again. He was just visiting. He's <laughs> just some random dude. It's Kevin Feige. He's just <laughs> there on set. Um, and they accidentally left it in. Oh, speaking of like, you know, sloppy mistakes. Have you seen all the stuff about the bizarre dubbing and ADR problems in the first episode? And oh, yeah. So I noticed, uh, we talked a little bit about this um, just on text, where there was a bit where there's some really obvious cuts from... Uh, action sequences yeah. from where the uh, you have like the setup, the prop, and the execution. Uh, like there's in the um, uh, in the auction room scene where she has a like a wine bottle. She's about to hit someone over the head with it, and it gets shot. And there's a really obvious cut that is yeah. really long, and you can really tell that they are that is just the execution of the stunt. And you're like, that's that just takes it out of it. Uh, and it's really weird. Uh, I think the audio is, is way worse than any of that. I think part of the problem is Jeremy Renner doesn't seem to know how to uh, sound natural in ADR. <laughs> but also it seems like, a, like, like so many scenes felt completely constructed. There's one where they're coming back from the hotel and no one says a single thing with their face <laughs> on camera. Like everyone is, it's looking at the back of their yeah. heads and it's like some kind of weird dream sequence. Mm. And it's clearly, I think it's the family and they're coming back from seeing the big tree. Oh yeah. But yeah. when they shot it, they were probably just coming back from the restaurant. Yeah. But all the added added dialogue is like, yeah, no, good. I, I really enjoyed the tree. Mm. I, I posted it on Twitter. It is so strange. It is so unbelievable like that that is a, a kind of normal thing that they put in a marvel show <laughs> and uh, it has improved over the episodes but that really took it out of me for uh, took me out of it yes. um for the first 
two. And then there was another moment in the third one where like mid mid line, Clint says something and it's clearly, and he's whispering in the line. He's like, hey, we're going to do this. And then like a very clear in a studio, uh, Jeremy Renner's like, yes, and then we're going to go back to your family and you'll go back. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, okay, harness that overconfidence. It's like, okay, yeah, I do remember that. That's so weird. Just just be normal. Do and not be a normal show. And I know maybe like it's a COVID thing, but maybe it's not a COVID thing. Like so many of the extras like have been dubbed and it, I, I just have a theory that no one was allowed to speak on set. Um, yeah. And it's, uh, it's very strange. Um, but overall, it's been fun. I think it's like really just distilled entertainment, yeah. Marvel, like superhero stuff. It's not Loki where it's doing a bigger. You've got like story, the entire future uh, of the, the whole MCU hinging on yeah. what happens next. Uh, WandaVision felt the exact same and then kind of was. Yeah. Um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I guess, is the most comparable. And there are similarities, but I think I'm enjoying this more. Although. There was a depth to Falcon and the Winter Soldier yeah. that came from Sam Wilson's characterization mm. that I've yet to feel here. But I am comparing three episodes of a show to a full show. Sure. So, you know, I think there's only three episodes left. Yeah. So there won't be a flux situation for you where you're watching the finale like, are they, are they, are they wrapping this up? Oh, wow, well, they're really going for it. <laughs> <laughs> that's not true because they, they never finish things in the MCU. There's that's never any true. ending. Yeah, that's um, true. It just keeps going and never stops. Do you think it'll have a, a season two or do you reckon it'll just launch off into other, other um, things? I'm not sure. So Loki is the only one that's getting a season two confirmed at the moment. Yeah. Um. Hawkeye, I mean, they could, yeah. because as it goes forwards, if they want to do like Young Avengers, that kind of thing, they could still do like a story of how Hawkeye is training Kate to be, to take his place, because he clearly doesn't, he's not really into it anymore. He doesn't want to be there. I, I would enjoy seeing, I hope Clint doesn't like fully retire, yeah. because I enjoy seeing how much he doesn't want to be there. Yeah. Not Jeremy Renner but Clint Barton sighing and rolling his eyes. And I think that's an attitude that the MCU needs. And obviously like cynicism in the MCU is not a, a rare commodity, Yeah. but at the same time, that level of just, he's just a normal guy mm. who is too normal to be getting involved in such things yeah. is like, that's a really fun character dynamic that I, I wouldn't mind seeing more of. Yeah. I, I don't have a huge amount more to say beyond it's fun. It's just simple Christmas fun in an MCU show, which is great. A really good direction for them to go in. It's funny because um, after WandaVision, after Loki, after What If, I would text all my friends and be like, have you seen it yet? Have you seen it? You know, uh, what do you think? And then we'd discuss it. But after Hawkeye, it's just like, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was a good good episode. Yeah. Okay, so that's, that's Hawkeye. I will now briefly move on to the, uh, what I'm sadly calling this week, the nothing section of the podcast because... <laughs> It's sad. There's no <laughs> there's no Star Wars. There's no Star Wars. We are getting Boba Fett this month. Yeah. So I'm excited for that. Um, if you really want to hear me talk about Star Wars, not not you. I mean, it could be you, Tom, if you want. <laughs> the episode of What the Force, the podcast that I recorded with my friend uh, Marie Claire, that will have gone up by the time this, this podcast goes up. Did you do that ages ago? I did it ages ago. Uh, she's had <laughs> an absolute nightmare at work and has not edited it yet. All right. Oh, no, she, she now has edited it, but it was November was, was a nightmare. But I think I mentioned it in the first episode of Diving Into Why. Oh. Uh, but it's finally going to be something. And we're talking about 
how we would fix Star Wars and oh, okay. what direction it needs to be taken in as uh, from a story perspective and from a production perspective. Yeah. And it was a really fun and, you know, I think satisfying and almost cathartic conversation to have yeah. of just like, what is wrong with Star Wars at the moment in as far as fatigue and uh, very unfulfilling stories like, you know, The Mandalorian Season 2 and what can we do? Not Obviously, we, we're not going to actually put any of these things into place, but what can yeah. be done to, to, to solve it? It was a really fun conversation, so I'd, I'd recommend listening to that. I will put a link in the description below to uh, the What the Force uh, YouTube channel, maybe. Oh, yeah. Also, for things that you can enjoy Star Wars-wise, uh, for me, uh, <laughs> we've got a thing coming up, haven't we, Tom? Have we? Yeah, um, we're going to watch the holiday special. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> uh, I've never seen it. Tom has never have. seen the Star Wars holiday special, which I think is a crime as a Star Wars fan. And I, I would happily be labelled as not a Star Wars fan to, <laughs> if it means that I get to not watch it. It doesn't mean that, I'm afraid. So you're going to have to. Um, I think we're going to watch it and we're going to record our reactions to it as we go along. And what I hope will happen is a slow descent from Tom into madness that makes for really good content. Yeah. And it may mean that I have a slightly more deranged co-host for the rest of the podcast existence. But uh, I think <laughs> that is a so sacrifice I'm willing to, I'm willing make, to make. Yeah. All right, far quad. <laughs> Wait, I don't think you pronounced that quite right there, Tom. You almost sounded like you called me far quad. No, I would never call you that. All right. Um, that's Star Wars done, I guess. What else have we been watching or playing or, or, or doing? Um, I saw a film that I would like to talk about. Um, and it's actually a little bit connected to Star Wars in that it, all I could think about was The Force Awakens when I watched it. And it's Ghostbusters Afterlife, <laughs> a soft reboot of the Ghostbusters saga. How much of a Ghostbusters fan are you? I mean, like, I've seen like... The original ones. There's what mm-hmm. two, right? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen yeah. those. I didn't see the all female cast one. Uh you wouldn't, would you? How dare you insinuate <laughs> such a thing? Um, I didn't see that one. I don't want to watch something just because it has a classic name attached to it, kind of thing. Like if it's new and it's based on something that's old that's a classic, it's probably going to be shit. Well, speaking of that, this new one, um, um it's bizarre. I think I'm just going to spoil it. I will literally never watch it, so don't worry about that. I can't really get across the the sheer absurdity of this film without explaining to you uh, what actually happens. Uh, there are time codes if you want to skip and you don't want the Ghostbusters movie spoiled, right? Okay. Do you know the premise of this film? I, I have no clue. Right. It is about the grandchildren of a Ghostbuster. Right? A Ghostbusters. That's what they put in the. They, well, that's what they put in the trailer, and then it's slowly revealed over the trailer that through Easter eggs that it's Egon, right? Of course it is because uh, that's Howard Ramis's character, and he died. And you know, if you have an in-universe Ghostbuster who's died, that's who you pick because you know that's how you continue the legacy yep. of a character who can't appear. Um, but actually, at the start, uh, Egon is in it, and he's just in shadow the whole time. Oh. <laughs> um, and it's like you're not really meant to know who it is. The yeah. film isn't quite sure when to tell you that they are Egon's grandchildren. (laughs) Because at the start, it's like, they don't tell you who it is. It's a a generic Ghostbuster, but he's got Egon's devices, right? And he's driving the Ecto-1. And then you see him die at the start, which I think is a bit weird, considering Howard Ramis is dead in real life. And Uh... to show him be, like, ripped apart Mm. by ghosts at the start of a Ghostbusters movie is a a bit iffy. So, like, 
I was watching that and I was like, oh, that's Howard Ramis, right? Oh, these are his his grandkids. But then over the course of it, they seem to want to slowly reveal to you that it is Egon right. and it is Howard Ramis. But you know, you you saw the start. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a really bizarre kind of, there's this shed that he has and the granddaughter who is just like him is you know uncovering all the ghostbusters props right and oh she she slides down the fireman's pole to get there right oh, because right. how else is she going to get there the fire station had a fireman's pole obviously the shed in the behind a barn is gonna have a, a fireman's pole uh, to a basement right this is why i was thinking of the force awakens because when that came out i think the youtuber hello greedo said that in a worse movie the, uh, the millennium falcon would have been found like in a hangar and it would have been under a sheet and it would have been like this angelic version of the star wars theme and they would have pulled the sheet across and oh there it uh, is yeah. this ship it's Th- from legend that literally happen well this it is that, but for everything, right? So, oh. that's, um, you know, the, the Force Awakens was praised for its restraint on that level. The the one thing that people yeah. thought was maybe pushing it a little bit too far was when Finn is rummaging through the bag and he pulls out the remote, the training remote. It's like, yeah, come on, that's not a significant enough prop to draw that much attention to. But that is a two second moment where he looks at it and he throws it aside, like, throws it away. Yeah, that moment there is nothing in comparison to what Ghostbusters Afterlife does to literally every prop. Imagine if, like, Finn had, like, gone into a, a secret room in the Millennium Falcon and it's just laid out on the table as, like, oh, it's that training remote. Oh, let's look at that. Oh, there's a spotlight shining here. on. It's Luke's macro binoculars. Oh, um, <laughs> oh it's, uh, it's the, oh, I don't know, the torn-torn reins are there. It's like... <laughs> Just that level of stupidity, like not, I mean, the lightsaber was given that much importance, right? But uh, it was yeah. only the lightsaber. This mm. is everything. It's like, oh, it's the proton packs. Oh, it's the it's the ghost traps. All right, fine. They're the Ghostbusters things, right? Oh, it's the car, you know. Um, it's the little PKE meter that uh, Egon is carrying around. Oh, it's, it's the outfits. It's... Um, uh, Egon says in the first movie, I collect spores, uh, molds, and fungus. And uh, you see those, and that's treated like <laughs> on the same level. Um, do you re- remember the Nestle Crunch Bar from Ghostbusters? Mm, I'm going to go out on a whim and say no. Of course you fucking don't. It's one <laughs> moment, right? It's one moment where Bill Murray is like, oh, I was wrong about you, and just hands him a chocolate bar. And it's, it's funny. It was probably yeah. improvised by Bill Murray. There's like a rapper, and it's like, that was the original chocolate bar. Yes, there's a rapper on the desk what? of the Nestle Crunch Bar, right? And there's a bit as well where Egon is trying to explain the whole problem of, of uh, this is uh, in the first Ghostbusters movie, he's trying to explain like what could happen. He's like, imagine this Twinkie is all that could go wrong in the world. It, it, with this, if this was unleashed, like it would be a massive Twinkie, right? And there's just a Twinkie in this film. There's never actually a Twinkie in the first Ghostbusters film. <laughs> it, it, it is bizarre that the nestle crunch bar was when i was genuinely like what what am i watching what kind of worship of the source material is this like <laughs> it is like it makes the force awakens look irreverent like it, it looks yeah. like it i know people say that the sequels disrespect the original compared to this they did and that is disre- like not disrespecting but the the kind of disregard that it has that's for star wars right and this yeah. this adoration for the past is for ghostbusters it's, um, a, you know, a kind of grimy comedy from the 80s about just four dickheads who set up a kind yeah. of exterminator company and they're just in it to get rich. And, you know, and they're treating it like it was this, in, you know, important, rich. I can't believe it. it. That film was 
uh, funny, it was, you know, sarcastic and dry. And this is treating that like it was some kind of cultural epic. And uh... the tone here, it's not a comedy. It's like, there's some jokes, but it's like, it's mostly like Stranger Things stuff. It's like, you know, some funny kids driving around like a suburban neighborhood and, you know, getting involved with ghosts, right? Yeah. And the Stranger Things kid is in it, Finn Wolfhard. Um, oh, I like him. But he doesn't do anything. He's, he's, um, no, really? It's really about his little sister, um, Phoebe. And yeah. like he is just not in it at all, really. He's like, he fixes the Ecto oh. 1, and, and that's it, really. And she's there doing everything else. And, you know, it kind of unfolds and it's cute and it's about them rediscovering the kind of Ghostbusters lineage and the traps and the ghosts and they, they catch their first ghost in this. It's actually a kind of fun action chase, right? And then they uncover the mystery of what's going on. And what's going on is exactly what happened in Ghostbusters 1. It's uh... the same villain. It is Goza. It is, um, you know, there was Rick Moranis got possessed by the the, the gatekeeper maybe or, and the key master. Oh yeah, he kept getting locked out of his... Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then he was he was the keymaster, or the um, and then um, Sigourney Weaver was possessed by Zool. Oh yeah, yeah, and so they paired up, and they do that again with with Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd becomes uh, Rick Moranis, and their mum is uh, Sigourney Weaver's possession, and then Zool come, uh, Goza comes out, and it's exactly it's the same plot, it's the same set, oh. and it's the the exact same third act, and the kids are like, oh, you know. We can't defeat it. You know, we've lured them back to Egon's traps. There's this whole plot that, like, Egon abandoned his family because he knew that the end of the world was coming. So he set up this this uh, big trap to, to save the day. And in doing so, he, like, pissed off, you know, his family. And all the Ghostbusters refused to believe him. Like, this, this egghead who has been the brains behind the operation the whole yeah. time was like, nah, Egon, I think you've got a few screws loose. Right? <laughs> um, so the Ghostbusters have disbanded and gone their separate ways, right? And uh, they, she, oh God, Jesus Christ. The kids get thrown in prison, right? And she'd previously watched the Ghostbusters advert that went on the telly, right? That's like, call this number if you have any, you know, things. And uh, so they're in the the jail cell. And she's like, oh, don't we get a phone call? And the, the cop is like, well, yeah, you do. And then I'm there in the cinema thinking, please don't say it. Please do a subversion here. Do some kind of joke. Do not say the thing. And he goes, who are you going to call? I was, you know, losing my mind. Not in the way that like, oh, they said it. There was, there was, there were a couple of people in the screening that I was in who were like that whenever there was a thing. It was like, oh my, there's, and so she calls up, she phones the number from the 80s TV advert. (laughs) It's still Dan Aykroyd's phone number. Um, (laughs) And he answers the phone. He's like, oh no, I'm, I don't, I'm, Egon's a piece of shit. uh, He's like, "Um, we don't, I don't care about that. And then, then that's it. But then in the final scene where, you know, they've lured it back to Egon's traps and Goza's about to take over the world. Um, they they dust off the final, you know, dusty props from the original film. The final thing that they dust off, and that they, they really do look ropey, are the Ghostbusters themselves. <laughs> <laughs> um, they look awful. Bill Murray steps through and he's and he's, you know, this was an when all hope is lost, the three original Ghostbusters show up. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, uh Ernie Hudson, yeah. Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, and they're in their suits and they're like, hey Goza, remember us? And it's like, <laughs> oh my god. And you know, the, the people in the audience say, Yeah, woo! And it is 
it's pathetic. It is awful. And yeah. they're riffing. And it's not funny. And Bill Murray doesn't really seem like, uh, I don't know, because like Bill Murray plays characters that don't want to be there. right? Yeah. But he isn't doing that well, <laughs> despite uh... probably not wanting to. It's, it's really awkward, right? And then they lose, right? So the kids have lost and then the Ghostbusters have joined them and then they've lost as well. What All could right. come and save them, right? And I'm thinking, I know exactly what's going to come and save them. Is, is it the ghost of the other Ghostbuster? It is the CGI force ghost of Harold Ramis uh, <laughs> who shows up and he holds, uh, he helps his granddaughter hold the proton pack and it pans out and he's stood there and it he, he looks like a force ghost. Like he is blue, he's CGI <laughs> and he doesn't speak, right? Because he's dead. Um, yeah. But he is there for way too long. Like he shows up and he's, you know, it pans over and he joins the original Ghostbusters and it's the four of them. And it's like, wow. And the people in the audience next to me in that moment were sobbing. They were oh, actually gosh. crying. I was giggling to myself because of how silly <laughs> it was. But they are in that, oh my God, it's, it's him, it's him. And then it comes up with like for Harold at the end of the sequence. And it's like, the film's not over yet, but there is actual words <laughs> on the screen saying for Harold, um, which I've never seen in a film before. Like before, the, it's not a dedication in the credits. It's in the movie. Um, and like Howard Ramis was an incredible force in the comedy world uh, as a writer and as a, as a you know, performer and as a director as well. And I, but I, this, it feels so self-congratulatory in a way that's like, why are you know, why are we doing this to pay tribute to him? Like a kind of dig up the old toys to, to you know, please him and his friends. And it's, it's I don't know. I find it really bizarre. And yeah, he is there way too long. Like the, the final fight ends, right? And everyone, you know, the, the Paul Rudd, who got turned into a statue at the end, like they always do, uh, he breaks out and that's all that. And it pans back. And after like this five minute sequence of everyone reuniting, Harold Ramis is still stood there as a ghost. <laughs> it's not like he's come and gone for the finale. He's just there still. And uh, he gives he gives his daughter a hug. And oh, the, the Ghostbusters don't seem to care really that he's there. I, I don't like it, really. And yeah. the fact that he's silent is even weirder because he's there for so long, <laughs> just smiling and nodding, right? He gives like a wistful nod to the original Ghostbusters and a, a wistful nod to his <laughs> granddaughter. And... And then he, he disappears, and I, it's so weird, and I, I didn't like it. Uh, you, you didn't? I thought you were going to do a complete 180, like, it was the best movie I've ever seen, man. It was so good. I couldn't believe it. I stayed for both post credit scenes as well. There's post credit scenes in a Ghostbusters film? Yeah, because they're setting up a, a franchise. Um, oh, they're not. Ernie Hudson's character, who is mentioned offhandedly to be like rich and famous. Um, <laughs> he's, he rebuys the, the firehouse and he's like, we're going to set up Ghostbusters for a new generation. <laughs> um, but like the major Ghostbusters fans in the audience had left by then. I, yeah. I don't know why I stayed, <laughs> um, but for some reason I wanted to see the rest. Sigourney Weaver shows up in the post credit scene. Uh, you know, she's in love with Bill Murray still. You know, oh, do you remember when Bill Murray is shocking the the, the students uh, who yeah. can't read the back of the cards? There's a girl and a boy, and he gives them electric shocks. He, he gives the boy electric oh. shocks if he can't guess what's on the cards that he's holding up. Um, yeah. Well, that makes a return as well. <laughs> uh, in the post credit scene, a little coin that Janine gives Egon before the final battle makes a return. Uh. And this, this scene where she does that was not in the original film. It was in a deleted scene that they play before the post credit oh. scene. <laughs> so hmm. they, before referencing the deleted scene, they play the deleted uh, scene right. full. 
and then show what what it's referencing. Uh, I wanted to just not have eyes anymore <laughs> when I was watching it. Yeah. And I was just thinking the whole way through, we were so lucky with The Force Awakens and we were so lucky with the sequel trilogy that this was not what we got. Yeah. Do you remember that Mark Hamill edited image that he posted that was like, what could have been? And it's like him, Han, uh, Carrie, uh, and Lando, and Citrico <laughs> maybe in the Millennium yeah. Falcon cockpit. And it's like, what would that movie be? Yeah. That's like that's what you wanted as like a w- personal wish fulfillment. But what would that film have been? Yeah, and it, this is what that film would have been. <laughs> Ghostbusters Afterlife is what that film would have been. It's getting the gang back together just for the sake of it. Yeah, I, it it was it was not good, and I think that's all I have to say about it. Uh, which has actually been quite a, a lot to hmm. say about it. Have you seen anything recently other than other than not other than anything? Not really. I've seen a couple of episodes of season one of Scream on Netflix because I love the original Scream movie and I love Scary Movie as well. It's one of my favorite films. Um, so I thought, oh, the um, the series is probably good. Is it? Um, well, <laughs> the, from the first two episodes, it's really really hit and miss because mm. it's very these are adults playing teenagers and they are doing a terrible job of it it's, it has the it has the best texting like fake texting i've ever seen because someone will press like two keys on a keyboard on a phone and it will come up with a paragraph on the phone <laughs> i mean that's, that's in hawkeye as well uh, that, that's what yeah. people have uh, pointed yeah, out but uh, is there any does it have some more merits it's got season two it's got season two so it must be good um it's, it's <laughs> those are the rules <laughs> the some of the characters are really fun there's good cliffhangers and stuff because like there's a bit where um and, like, it's literally at the end of the first episode one of the characters there's like the obligatory character who knows horror shows and movies so they are like the nerd who talks about it and then everyone's listening like whoa what if we were in a horror movie kind of thing um uh, and so he, like he wipes his head and like red is on his forehead and it's like whoa he's got like blood on his head but the like, next episode he's just graffitied some asshole's car <laughs> so it's like, okay so that was pretty funny there's a there's um it's pretty good like i'm i'm gonna watch more it's all right so far otherwise i would have stopped already well but yeah you can uh, let me know in the next episode if you've uh, binged the entire thing or gave do. up on it in, in episode four um definitely I have just remembered i watched uh the new disney movie encanto i haven't ever heard of that. <laughs> right it is the i think it's the 60th you know it's 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 the moana it's the frozen it's the, you know it's yeah it's, it's actually a proper disney and walt disney animated studios uh film yeah it's good and i like it, is it? it's weird it's got songs written by lin-manuel miranda who did hamilton okay. in the heights yeah. moana and the it, it's good musically Story-wise, it is good, but it's really unexpected because it's got a very unconventional structure for a Disney movie. Um, It's all about interpersonal relationships and not really about a quest. I mean, there are story, there is a story going on and there's, there's, there's a threat, but it's not you know, it's not got the traditional beginning, middle, and end story mountain, like, you know, yeah. uh, problem in the middle, they overcome it. You know, that's it's not quite yeah. that 
setup. And I think that really threw me as I was watching it. But the more I've thought about it, the more I've remembered what I like about it and the things that have stuck with me. So I think I'd recommend that. Okay. Again, with Disney now, it's like, you know that in three months time, it will be on Disney Plus. Yeah. So it's hard to recommend go out into the cinema and watch it, especially in a pandemic. So it's like, yeah, get round to it at some point, dear listener. But also, you don't have to rush. You won't hear spoilers for it. And maybe you can probably get away with listening to the soundtrack um, beforehand because, yeah, there's there's not a huge amount of spoilers on that. Um, I think that's that's all all there is today. Uh, it's a bit of a lighter episode as far as like numbers of topics yeah. goes. Oh, I've been watching the Spider Man movies, the Raimi Spider Man movies. Oh, um, they're good because I. Uh, I'm doing my homework for No Way Home. I have seen them before, but I watched them when I was like 15 and I was really grumpy about them because I was like, well, this is just silly. This is, oh, this is, this is madness. I was like uh, the, the mole man from Flux. I was like, this is infernal. <laughs> <laughs> um, but now I'm like, you know, now I see the the, the, the the kind of goofy elements of the first film yeah. and I'm just in love with it. I had so much fun. I think I gave it like nine out of 10, four and a half stars on uh, Letterboxd. The first oh, one. Good. Yeah, the first one's my favourite one. That's not even the one that people say is great. And then I, yeah. I watched uh, Spider-Man 2 last night, and I think I like it slightly less than the first one. I prefer the first one. Uh, I think the first one is just, like, pure, condensed, just joy <laughs> and fun. Absolutely. You know, the second one is actually doing other, more mature things. Yeah. And obviously, it it is doing them well, but <laughs> maybe not quite. At what I'm looking for in those in those yeah. movies, I think Tobey Maguire works a lot better as a, a fun lead than a like good one, <laughs> a compelling lead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, I don't well, want to I mean, anger anymore, Toby fans. I mean, there's a lot of the same plot going on in those Spider-Man movies. Well, especially like the second one and the third one. MJ and Peter have the same argument in both of those movies about yeah. them like getting to grips with she is dating fucking Spider-Man. And she can't get over how he's overshadowing her, even though he's fucking Spider-Man, and she's it's, like a failing actress, whatever. But it it is frustrating when it's just like, you know, she's like, I'm all in. I, I you know, I, I'm in. I want you, Peter. I, now I know the truth. She, like, she absolutely doesn't. Uh, yeah, she really doesn't. And it's having said that, they Kirsten Dunst recently said that she would love to come back as like old MJ. And I think that would be really fun if she did that. Logan. 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 With, uh, there, there's someone. Ha- MJ. Yeah, I think it's not even just, Spider-Man. Just MJ. MJ. <laughs> call it MJ. <laughs> they call it Watson. Watson. Everyone's like, Everyone I can't wait to go be... see the Sherlock movie. The new Sherlock Holmes movie. No. <laughs> Psych. They put Martin, they put Martin Freeman, Freeman on, on the poster, yeah. but it's actually, a, it's actually an MJ movie. He, he's actually playing her dad. <laughs> I... <laughs> I think we should probably call it um, and uh, go to bed um, and not speak about things anymore because my brain has turned to mush thinking about, about Ghostbusters and thinking about Doctor Who Flux. <laughs> so what have I got to say in the end? Thank you for listening. We will be back in the next episode to talk about Spider-Man No Way Home, <laughs> uh, Book of Boba Fett, uh, the rest of Hawkeye, <laughs> um, Oh, the Doctor Who New Year's Day special. Oh, my God. This is going to be a busy month (laughs) for for releases. But, uh, you know, 
I'm excited. Are you excited? I'm pretty excited. So thank you very much for listening. Leave a comment if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, leave a review if you're watching on Apple. I know a lot of podcasts ask me to do that. So uh, please do that. Uh, I will read them if they are written. So <laughs> that's something to, to bear in mind. I will not. I don't even know how to get onto it. I will send them to Tom. You haven't? Oh, you sent me a couple, which were nice. Uh, follow me on Twitter. We've got, you know, a couple of things coming out, as I've said. Uh, I've got a Doctor Who, oh no, I've got a Star Wars video coming out this <laughs> month. Tom's laughing because I initially got that bit wrong and thought I'd be able to cut it out, but Tom laughed at me, so. Yeah, no uh, shot. I've got a Star Wars video coming out. Oh, uh, do you? This month. Uh, it's going to be about Star Warsy Christmas stuff, which I'm really excited. Nice. I, I don't have anything else to say. I, I guess goodbye. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening again. We'll speak to you soon. This has been Diving Into Why Episode 3. Love you lots. lots. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs>